Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This week on The Vergecast, we talk about our iPhone 11 and 11 Pro reviews, iOS 13, and the Apple Watch. We also talk about the events coming up from Google, Amazon, and Microsoft, and a little bit on whether you should plug a Facebook camera into your TV. That's The Vergecast coming up now. Hello, and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of the Vox Media Empire, Galactic. I think we should start calling it the Empire Galactic. Planetary. Yeah. Planetary. You see what I'm saying? You got where I'm going? (laughs) Intergalactic. (laughs) Yep. There it is. Keep going, Paul. (laughs) I'm your friend, Eli. (laughs) Paul Miller is here. He doesn't know any Beastie Boys songs. Hello. Dieter Bone is here. I'm here to be a disruptive force, apparently. That's I'm just going (laughs) to set Paul off. Uh, It's iPhone Review Week. It happened. Whew. It's uh, a. It is one of the strangest weeks. Of the I saw our friend Joanna Stern. We were on CBC together, and she literally said, "This week is getting harder every year." As though this is actually like a real thing, mm-hmm. right? Like iPhone week is is now just a part of our lives. Like in September, mm-hmm. there'll be an Apple event. There'll be some iPhones. No one will talk to us for a week, and then there'll be iPhone reviews, and that's how it goes. Yeah, it's wild. So it's a it's like a fixed point in time, but it's iPhone week. Uh, Dieter, you reviewed the Apple Watch Series Five. Mm-hmm. We d- we kind of did the iPhone 11 review together. I did Sorry. the I- iPhone 11 Pro review. I kind of had Becca Farsace help me with that. That was really fun. We we reviewed some phones, and they're really good. Obviously, the 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 answer is uh, don't buy any phones ever. From what most of the reviews say, but that's that's not your opinion, right? I mean, I I have some deep philosophical thoughts about the nature of phone reviews in a monopolized market dominated by Lockheed in the United States. Uh, it's the first cast. <laughs> Here they are. <laughs> you tuned into this show, people. You did this to yourselves. <laughs> well, let's talk about the phone first, and we can we, yeah, can, yeah. we can do some media criticism, maybe. I will say that John Gruber will be in the interview show on Tuesday. So if you want to like hear us really yell about other phone reviews, listen to that episode because it was it was fun. I like I like talking to John a lot. He and I have some beef with some of the other reviews, particularly New York Times. We'll talk about that a little here. But if you want to go all the way in, just wait for Tuesday. But let's talk about the phone. Here's what I think is true. Apple, for many years, especially after Steve Jobs left, like overhyped their products, right? They had yeah. to like deliver the thing. They had to deliver one more thing. They had to say it was better than ever. They had to put out a new product category. They had to have these events, say they were changing the world, say they were better than everybody else. The example I come back to over and over again is that when they introduced the Apple Watch, 
They said the digital crown was an input device on par with multi-touch. Nope. Which mm. I think it's fair to say is not true. <laughs> like, you had to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, you know, like, Bono was there. It, it, like, their events tend to come with an associated level of hype. Yeah. Although I will say that um, – you know, in writing the Apple Watch review, I, like, needed to, like, refer back to the original Apple Series Zero Apple Watch a bunch. And so I had to look up the event that it came out. And that was a really good year. In terms of Apple products? Yeah. I mean, the Apple Watch was a dud, but it, that was also the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus year, which yeah. was, like, a very, very important iPhone in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And it was the Apple Pay year? Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, they're good. Their products are good. They're a successful company for a reason. I just think that part of their narrative has been them thinking their products are slightly better than they are for a while. And if you just yeah. look at the history of their f- sort of first-gen products, I gave the Apple Watch a 7, the HomePod got a 7.5, the first Apple TV 4K until they, like, added a bunch of features to it, got a 7.5. Like, their sort of, like, launch editions of products in particular have been lacking. Right. Okay, well, this year they didn't do shit. <laughs> right? Like, we all flew up to Cupertino and, like, Pretty muted event. They're like, the battery lasts longer and the camera's better. There's some new camera features coming and an update that'll come. Here's a picture of a sweater. Here's some yep. phones. Like the, Oh, the display stays on all the time now. That's yeah. it. That's what, oh, it has a compass. Did you, huh? ah. Compass is going to change the world. It's like multi-touch, <laughs> but for, for pointing. <laughs> they, they, were, they just said the things that people wanted to hear. And then yeah. we like, got the things and went home. And so, the things are really good. Like those are the things. Yeah. The 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 thing that's wild is they were they were way more muted and chill about the year over year upgrades from the iPhone XS to the iPhone 11 Pro. They were much more just relaxed. But the difference the the iPhone 11 Pro is such a huge upgrade over the XS. It's a much bigger upgrade, I think, than the XS was over the 10. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like. The, the less Apple hypes it, the better it is. Is this the lesson we're taking away? Yeah, it's just like you just lower those expectations a little bit, right? I mean, if yeah. you have a – this is the first year – and this is going to really get us into the the controversy that's swirling on Twitter right now. Um, this is the first year I've ever said this is worth a year over year upgrade. If you have a 10s or a 10s Max, they're fine and you can keep them and they were very expensive when you bought them, so I understand why you wouldn't want to upgrade I think those cameras were horrible. Like, I really do. I think I was too polite in those reviews. Mm-hmm. I said they were very good, but not great. And now I'm just like, I should have just said they're not great. Yeah. Right? Like, they're, they're, I don't think they're good. I think they're good if you look at the photos on a phone screen, and the second you do anything else, they look bad. And, like, most people look at photos on a, on a phone screen, so, like, maybe that's fine. But I don't know. If you have, like, kids or a pet or something, you want those photos to last. You don't want to be like, huh, my my phone was crappy back then. This is a huge upgrade in the in the in the photos. Yeah, it's just massive. Well, and we actually don't know the full extent of the upgrade because sweater mode might change everything. Sweater mode. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like very clear that Apple underplayed the year over year improvement in the sensor. Mm-hmm. So the 10s sensor. Remember the the big story about the 10s sensor was that it was so much bigger. And you yep. could, like, do all this stuff. Well, it was also noisy as shit. Right, so if you shoot in halide and you pull off Roz off that sensor, like they're noisy, and so yeah. the phone had to do all this noise reduction and it just destroyed detail. And then Smart HDR was like drunk all the time and was like, shadows and highlights they should all be the same and like literally killed the dynamic range of your photos, even though it's like Smart HDR. 
It just looked weird. Like they just made weird photos with no detail. This sensor is not does not seem nearly as noisy. So they're not right. even having to do the noise reduction. Then Smart HDR is like they calmed it down. So it makes things look better. Then it seems just like their night mode. It, it's actually bracketing. It's bracketing like potentially yeah, yeah. lots of photos. Um, it's really good. It's better than the Pixels night mode. I want to talk about that for a minute, uh, the night mode, but finish your, your spiel and we'll come back to it. So that, I mean, that, that gets you better detail and bright light. It gets you a better night mode than the Pixel, which has a different approach to night mode. And obviously the Pixel 4 is coming out. It's like looms over the whole thing. And then somewhere in there, like deep fusion sweater mode is going to pick up everything from bright to night. Yeah. Right. So if you're inside, it's like weird light inside. That's where deep fusion is not like a mode. You don't have to turn it on. It's just going to replace the processing at, at that time. Yep. So we'll have th- the iPhone will automatically switch basically between three types of photo processing, regular smart HDR when you're outside in Sprite, deep fusion for basically the majority of lighting situations, and then night mode for everything dark. And it just handles it in a way, which is what I always want out of a camera app is to just do the thing for me. Let me know what you're doing so I can change it, but do the thing for me. Um, and actually, that's the thing that uh, Android phones have been doing for a while, Samsung and um, Huawei especially, uh, although their stuff is not quite as uh, direct and straightforward as Apple's. With night mode in particular, uh, I agree with you that by and large, the iPhone, I've, I've been using the iPhone 11, is better than the Pixel 3. But... Um, it has a different approach to taking night photography and they, they like have, they value different things. And so the iPhone brings brightness up a little bit more than I would like in some cases, but my actual beef with it is I, the iPhone uh, has a bias towards giving you a naturalistic looking shot and the pixel has a bias towards getting the shot. And what I mean by that is um, I've been taking night mode pictures of my cat cause that's what I got. And uh, with the iPhone, <laughs> I have to stay much more still and the result of that is I get a better photo, and I also am really happy that I don't have to like go into a mode specifically to get it. With the Pixel, it's much more forgiving. It will get me a shot no matter what, yeah. but if the cat moves or I move, it'll just be a slightly crappier like lighting condition or lighting shot, but it's much more forgiving at my super shaky hands than the iPhone is. But the iPhone, if everything can stay still for a second, produces a better shot. So I think the iPhone is doing a little bit more long exposure and a little bit less computation than the Pixel is my guess. That's exactly right. So the iPhone is actually bracketing. It's taking lots of shots, and then one of them is a long exposure. So it's much more traditional HDR in that Mm -hmm. sense, right? In traditional HDR, you take, like, a short one, a long exposure, a low exposure, you merge them together, you you tone map the image. So the iPhone's doing that. Obviously, it's doing a bunch of computational stuff because it's able to get the detail back out of the photo. But it's definitely, like, there's a long exposure bracketing going on. And so if you move, that long exposure gets blurry or the frames don't line up and it's all over. Right. Oh, if you move a lot, you're always moving. It's just the nature of holding a phone. Yeah. The Pixel, on the other hand, also it's bracketing, but like mostly what it's doing is it's just cranking the gain on the sensor. And then Google is saying, we're real smart and our math will fix it. So it's like it's sure. like overrunning yeah. the sensor and then like doing a bunch of math to denoise it and get detail back and make night sight. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're not doing that traditional long exposure I'm going to see in the dark, where I think Apple's doing that, and that's what makes that different. Well, Google's also using the delta between, like, the, the differences in the different shots to, like, 
it make its math better in the same way that like the, the super zoom, like your hand movement actually makes it better. And yeah. like if the, if the pixel is perfectly still, it actually moves the sensor around. It actually utilizes that handshake to make a better photo. And I think that I don't know if the iPhone is doing that or not, but the pixel is definitely doing it more. Yeah, I, I think a very fair characterization of these cameras is Google is better at math. <laughs> right and like and you just like google leans into that strength so they, they you know the pixel is like a commodity sensor it's not some like yeah. special custom weird thing it's just a pretty normal sensor and google is able to do really great that's why if you put a google camera on another android phone your photos get better right like google's just like better at, at that math apple throws horsepower at it yeah Right, like huge sensor, f one point eight lens, another sensor. They the tele is faster now. Like they're do they they started from that direction. Right. What's great is like, okay, two steps into that direction, they've surpassed Google's mathematical ability, and then the Pixel Four will come out. That that's a great race to be in. Like if you're a car person, it's like, do you want a really fast V eight or do you want like a powerful Turbo Four? And like that's cool. I have a better idea. Yeah. If these cameras were. Um, Mid '90s uh, bands that geeks were obsessed with, Apple would be Dream Theater and Google would be Tool. I hate, I hate this comparison. <laughs> I hate this comparison because Dream Theater fucking sucks. They were loud and operatic, and they nope. just used lots of. Nope, nope. Uh, get out of here on, with this. On the on the math angle, something I noticed. So Apple detects, and I know a lot of these cameras do this. They detect the subject of your photo yeah. and mm -hmm. do different things to even different sectors. Like, uh, like uh, you mentioned Apple sharpens hair. Yeah. So Apple knows what hair is and knows that that should be sharp, but other things maybe not. How worried should I be? Cause I, 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 that, that stresses me out that like, what if I'm just in this weird zone and I want to get a photo, but it's not like an Apple approved subject. And so Apple just has no idea what to do and just falls apart. That's really, I hadn't thought about it that way. So first, I think most people probably assume this because it's Apple. No data is leaving your phone. They're not like doing facial sure, recognition, sure, sure. right? Like they're able to recognize a scene. So mm. I don't have the full list of things they can recognize, but I don't think it's true that if you are, I don't know, what's the Taking a picture of an alien? Yeah, you're taking a picture of an alien race. You're you're like a Zelda fan, and you're in Asia, and you found a hardy durian, and you're like, and Apple just doesn't, know, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not going to get that photo. If I if if Dieter's cat walks into a dark alley, and I try to take a picture of it, yeah, how different is that going to be than if my friend who is has their face towards me is in that same dark alley, and I take a picture? Is of your it. friend you wearing I mean? a cat suit? Probably. <laughs> my okay. friend who is the lead in cats. We are living in my the year Swift. of the. Cats the movie. It's, <laughs> Star okay. We're just gonna start start all over. That's again. the year we're in, 2019. So like that, right? That list of things it knows about, we mm -hmm. don't know the whole list. So like, mm -hmm. I don't I don't know the answer to that question specifically. I do think the mm -hmm. level that it's sort of doing its semantic rendering is. It's not so much that it's like crappy if it doesn't do it. Well, because classically with the 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 portrait mode, right? If it didn't see something as a face, it just didn't really know how to portrait mode it. Yeah, but that was more about cutouts and depth, right? Mm. Where in like now it's good at pets, and you could always trick portrait mode into like doing a, a wine glass or something, right? Like you could mm -hmm. do it. It just was it was optimized for faces. Here it's right. it's very specifically like we know that's the sky. 
We're not going to apply a sharpening filter to the sky. We know this is a face. The tones across the face should be more even. So we're going to bring up highlights and shadows on the face appropriately. We know this is hair or facial hair. A light sharpen across this is good. I don't think it's that's a cat. We're going to make it look more like a cat. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's an open question. Like, what is the full list of things that semantic rendering will take care of? What they Mm -hmm. told me that I was going to put this in the review, but I thought it would just be dumb because they kept on being like the sky faces, hair, facial hair. And I kept on wanting to be like sky face, face sky, hair sky. Like, what? It's just because they kept saying face, hair, facial hair. But the, okay. the one that didn't fit was Sky. So I, every time they said that to me, I'd be like, in Sky face, obviously. <laughs> no, see, I took it out of the review. It doesn't play. <laughs> it didn't play. It played in my head, and I deleted it. Uh, that, but that was the list they kept giving me, was like Sky right. face, hair, okay. facial hair, Sky yeah. face. It didn't work wow. again. I tried again. Sky, what, what about Sky hair? Hair Sky. You see what I'm saying? Anyway, yeah. so Paul, I don't know the answer to your question. I think people are going to get their hands on these phones, and we will discover that like it just fails out when you take a picture of some, an alien. It definitely knows what the subjects of the photos are. Yeah. Right? It will like put a box around a face. It knows, that, okay, these are faces. And then it will do the, this is very broken in iOS 13, but if you take a group photo and there's like a lot of people in it, it will recrop the photo using the wide angle sensor, which is super cool. The one time it worked for me um, and every other time it's broken. So that's the other thing they added. They added this, they added the ultra wide camera. Which we I should have great. this argument. We had we had a bit of the argument in the iPhone 11 video. Yeah. Um, but we should actually have it out. Um, that I mean, we both agree that wide angle is better than telephoto, right? Yes. I think they made the okay. absolute right call by putting the yeah. wide angle inside the telephoto. But I actually think that you get more utility out of a wide angle than you do out of a telephoto, even though it is a worse lens because – just stepping back on the wide doesn't get you the like picture profile that the wide angle gives you. It, like it creates a different kind of photo with like different you know lens characteristics and different angles on the you know different distortion. Yeah. Um, and so like to me, it's more fun, but it's also more useful because fundamentally, like if it were like a four x telephoto or an eight, then I'm with you. But a two x is like. I don't know. I guess it gives you better portrait photos, but in terms of like raw zoom utility, I'm just not impressed. Yeah, I've I'm never not depressed. Been... It's fine, but like I just don't get it. Uh, last year, you know, we told everybody to buy an iPhone 10R instead of an iPhone 10S, and part of the reason was if you really care about the screen, get the 10S, and that was yep. it. Because I didn't think I'd, I've never thought the telephoto lens on these iPhones is good. I think it takes worse photos. It's a smaller sensor. It was a much slower lens. The wide angles just looks w- fun. And it yeah. gets you that sort of like shoot outside the frame, full screen finder, which I think is very useful for people. Well, and it gets you a ton of ton more options in video as well. Yeah, and I think people who are who are trying to zoom on an iPhone are just going to pinch in digital zoom, and it's going to be fine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. if you're the sort of person who's like, "Yep, zooming on my iPhone is what I need to do," like you're probably fine by just like taking a horrible photo. But I think the wide angle, like it A, looks so different, B, is so useful, enables this feature of the automatic recropping, which does not work, which we should talk about iOS 13, but it's a much more useful lens. And the fact that it's on the 11 too makes the argument for the 11 so much stronger than last year, right? Like if they if, if the 11 had a telephoto and a regular lens, I'd be like, it'd be kind of worth the pro to get the ultra wide. Yeah. But interesting. Because it's, it's whatever. I, yeah. The telephoto is a faster lens now. It's f2.0. 
So it's a little bit better and it's a little bit better in low light. Um, but still in the dark, it, the iPhone does the thing where it crops the main sensor instead of switching to the telephoto. Because it knows you'll get a better photo out of the big main sensor and faster lens if you crop than out of the smaller sensor and slower lens. Right. It's a little, it's a, it's a little bit more eager to switch because it's a faster lens, but um, it still crops the main lens. A lot of people, bizarrely, a lot of people ask me about that. It's a very inside. I think it's they know that I will answer that question. <laughs> like, who is the nerd who cares about it? It's like me. But yeah. I don't know, Dieter, you had the 11 for a week. Yep. The big story for the other phones is battery life. We actually led the review with battery life the first time ever. But you didn't see some huge noticeable difference in the 11 from yeah, the 10 Yeah, Apple claims an hour. I didn't see a huge difference. But I think the part of that is just that the battery life on the 10R was so good to begin with. And that was one of the reasons we recommended it over the uh, the 10s back then. The things are identical. I walked out of my apartment once, got all the way to the subway, and then looked down and realized I was carrying the 10R instead of the uh, iPhone 11 and had to go back because uh, I had the <laughs> wrong phone in my pocket. So it's like it's other than the the camera and the the new um, glass on the back, it's the exact same phone, exact same screen. If you have a 10R, I don't think it's worth an upgrade to an iPhone 11 for you. You are going to get the, the cameras are way better, but if you were that worried about camera quality in the first place, you probably were the kind of person who ended up getting a 10s in the first place. So I think if you have a 10R, you could definitely hang on for you know another year or two because uh, the battery life jump isn't that big. Whereas with the 11 Pro, it seems like the the combination of the battery life jump and the camera jump. And I don't know, Neil, you could talk about whether or not the screen jump is worth it uh, better than I can because I haven't seen it in person in, in real conditions. Um, does make it a, a thing where you might consider upgrading year over year. At least, you know, if you're two, three years back, you definitely are going to want to go take a look at it. Um, but even if you're like really into it year over year, it might be worth it, especially if you're on like a like an installment plan or something like just go check it out. Last year when this when the price differential was 250 bucks. It was a lot easier mm. for me to say, like, buy a screen. Right. Like, it was just, yep. it just felt like if you really care about monitors and I tell you to buy a slightly more expensive monitor for your PC and the Delta's 250, right? Like, that's a pretty normal yeah. price range for a mon, like, or TV. Like, a cheap yeah. TV costs $500. And I'm like, buy an OLED, it's $3,000. And no one gets confused about what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So to me, the screen upgrade is like, it's 250 bucks. It's mm -hmm. a far superior display. It's bizarre to me that now that it's three hundred bucks, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. That it seems feels like a like, lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like a deal. Yeah, three hundred dollars. A seven hundred dollar phone somehow seems dramatically cheaper than a thousand dollar phone. Yeah. I, I'm I really of two minds about this because at the same time, especially things like skimping on the the charger, you know, skimping on the screen a little bit compared to Android does not feel like much of a deal. But compared to the iPhone 11 Pro, if you don't absolutely need crazy camera stuff, you know, it feels like a great deal. Can we talk about the $700 price and price range for a minute? Yeah. Um, it, it's, $700 does feel like substantially different than $750. It is for only the 64 gig version, but I think that if you use a bunch of streaming music, you're probably fine. If you shoot a lot of video, you're gonna wanna jump up. And the iPhone 11 gives you a 128 option where the um, uh, 11 Pro does not. Anyway, the, the thing that is fascinating to me is 
the thing Dan keeps saying, which is don't look at the price when the phone is announced. Look at the price like three, four, five months later. See how much how often it's getting discounted. That applies especially to Samsung phones, but it also kind of applied a lot to the 10R. Mm-hmm. So this $700 phone might, for all intents and purposes, if you can like find a deal on it in a couple of months, be like 600 maybe less. Who knows? Yeah. The story of the year up to now for Android has been, man, there are a lot of like six, $700 Android phones that are flagships that are like shockingly good. The OnePlus 7 Pro is like the top of that list. There's some other phones in that zone. And the level to which the upgrade on the camera from the 10R to the 11 puts it at the, on top of those Android phones that up until this week were like, oh, wow, yeah, I, I actually would totally recommend this over an Android phone. Android phone over that thing. Like the 10R is playing at a lower price point and it's just weighted into this very competitive zone of Android phones. And it is, I think it's going to, it outperforms all of their cameras and uh, that's going to be a really interesting fight. Yeah. Hmm. Are they going to do a Pixel 4a? Everyone is assuming they will. Uh, I don't know if they'll do it right now. Yeah. Uh, there was a rumor that they wanted to release the Pixel 3a next to the 3, but they were worried it would cannibalize sales, which it absolutely would have. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the, yeah. at this point, the Pixel 4 is cannibalizing sales. Yeah. <laughs> like, this phone is so deeply leaked, it's, like, hilarious. I My joke is that they're going to announce the Pixel 5 at the Pixel 4 event. Like, they're, oh, I like they're that. so far yeah. ahead of their skis. Like, they might as well just be like, and next year <laughs> we'll do another one. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think that it's better than all the sort of $700 camera. Like, the thing that gets me, we just did all this camera testing. This is like my favorite time of the year. Like, how did I end up with a job where I take a bunch of photos and then like 50 people want to stand around me yelling about how good the photos are until midnight? Yeah. That's the best thing that, like once a year I get to, that's great. So we're going to do it again with the Pixel. Yeah. The thing that gets me, and you know, we published a photo comparison and I made a very definitive claim. Last year, my claim was like, you must look into your own heart. And decide if this crappy photo is crappy, right? Like, right? Like, these are aesthetic choices. This year, I was like, it's better. Like, I just think it's better. Yeah. So you make a definitive claim on the internet, and people are gonna they're gonna tell you what they think. And so many people are like, I like this Note 10 photo. That is wild to me, but I completely understand it. Yeah. It's like you know when you go to the store and the TVs are all set crazy. They're like super high brightness, all of the pictures, and like. Every TV retailer, like TVs have a retail mode. Like when you take them out of the box, like, are you at home or are you in a store? You say like, accidentally choose you're in a store and it gets nuclear bright. Mm-hmm. That is the Note 10. The yeah. Note 10 is like your hammered friend at a party saying he can fix it, right? Just like drunk, crazy, making no sense. Do you want me to sharpen and smooth this photo? Do you want do you want it to be as bright, overexposed? And then it's on a screen, like the Note screen is so bright and so saturated, I completely get it. Like, absolutely get it. I found when I was using the Note 10 that my my photos did not look that overprocessed. So maybe they changed the software, or maybe just, like, when you look at it that much head-to-head to these other phones, oh, it's yeah. different. No, here's the thing. You, and this is you what definitely I mean about called it. I just, want to, I just want everyone to, if you didn't read Neil's <laughs> review, you should, because you get lines like this, that uh, the iPhone 11 is far more natural than, quote, the Note 10's processing fiesta. It's a process. It's a it's a party. Like every time you look at it, you're like, "This is a party." Like they're just having a good time. They don't care what anybody else thinks of them, right? They showed up. They had a couple beers before the party, and now they're ready to go. Like those photos, it just 
look at them. And I understand why people like them. It's the same reason the TVs are really bright in the store. Your eye is naturally drawn to the brightest, like, most saturated thing. And you're like, that's the best one. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it, like I'm saying, you look at it next to the other photos and you're like, this photo looks bonkers. Like, it's just, it's the brightest, most processed photo of the bunch. And I think it's really interesting that so many people, even even in that comparison, are like, I like that one. And I think it's great because there's choice in the market and everyone's not chasing the same look. But man, they look nuts. Like, just, it's the Kool-Aid man, right? Just like, <laughs> yeah, like... I don't know. And I, I don't know why Samsung does that by default. I suspect it has to do with— People like Kool-Aid. <laughs> I suspect <laughs> it has to do with, like, literally, like, sales in the Asian market, right? Like, skin—we've we, gone through this every year. Like, smoothing filters and skin smoothing and face smoothing, all that stuff is way more acceptable in Asian markets. Those phones all do it like mad. I suspect it's related to that. I also suspect there's a value in just looking different. And like looking like that because it looks different. I think that's kind of the same reason the ultra wide is the choice over the telly. Like it just looks different. You can just you're like this is this is different than what I'm used to. It's not just closer. Um, but yeah, it's just you look at these photos and it's like, what? I just want to go to Samsung's party. I want to go to the room where they make decisions about how to process photos and just be like, where's the cocaine? Is it here? Because I've <laughs> I, I've long suspected it's here. This kind of brings me to my other point, the big point, because, Dieter, you mentioned that, that the 11 in particular is wading into very competitive waters. Yeah. So, I, you know, we do our reviews. We are nerds. So, like, okay, we're going to take the photos to 100% and we're going to see if the, the there's more detail, even though we know, no, like, very few people will ever do this. Mm-hmm. But at this point, all the cameras are good. All the screens are good. All the phones connect to LTE, right? Like. They, they've stopped exploding. <laughs> there's a, there's a one year where the bar was like, does does this phone explode? But like, they're all good phones. They're expensive. Yeah. They do the they do the jobs. They run the collection of apps. We're not arguing about whether Windows Phone will gain an ecosystem, right? Like, there's two main players, and you're in one ecosystem or not. Yeah. And to evaluate their differences, you kind of have to be a huge nerd now, right? You have to like understand how cameras work. You have to understand what they're doing differently. You have to understand why those results look different. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know. You have to know about OLED screens. Like your Apple Watch review, like spends a little time talking about screen controllers because you just it's have so to- short. It's like one sentence, and I'm like, I'm gonna link elsewhere. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> getting into. But but to yeah. do a credible job of differentiating <laughs> these products. So then I'm yeah. reading, and then so we publish our review, and then like I want to see if I got it right. It's like yeah. go and read everybody else's review. And this year in particular, I was struck at how inevitable everybody treats the iPhone. BuzzFeed, John Pachowski at BuzzFeed, who's great, and his review is really funny. It's just photos of his dogs and, like, list of features and telling you whether or not they work. And he did yeah. it on purpose. He actually tweeted at me, smartphone reviews are useless. Just pick the mm. ecosystem you're in, and every couple of years get a new one, and it'll be fine. Um, huh. And that, I think that's a, that's a take, and it's valid, and John knows what he's doing, right? He, like, did that on purpose. He believes smartphone reviews are useless, and so he wrote his review that way on purpose, and it's funny, and you should – read it because it's funny, but he's fundamentally saying there's no competition here. There's no way to evaluate this phone in the context of other phones. It doesn't even matter. You're just going to get the next one in your ecosystem and move on. So that's like one take. And I think that was very honest and very sincere. Then there's like the times, which is like literally the line of the review was you don't need a better phone 
now. Just take flash photos to get better photos. If your phone is functional at all, you're like, and that to me is so nihilistic. First of all, Mm. it assumes that Apple won't screw up, which is an incredible thing to assume. Right. Right. Like, yes, they generally don't screw up, but it's a thousand dollar product and you should, you should see if they screwed up. Yeah, like maybe maybe see if the software works. Yeah, maybe see if iOS 13 doesn't crash every 20 minutes. Yeah. Which is not reflected in this review. Everyone else, like you can, they all say like iOS 13 is pretty buggy. And like Apple pushed up the release date of iOS 13.1 today. Yeah. Because it's so buggy that they don't want people to say with it. And iPad OS, Catalina still out there, like literally in Catalina. Nobody knows. I just, I don't get it. And that we keep talking about lock-in and monopoly and blah, blah, blah. And I think that... The strongest evidence I have that this monopoly is damaging competition is the people who are paid to help you make buying decisions have just ceded, have just ceded the ground. They're like, I, there's no reason to help you make a buying decision. We know what you're going to do. You're just going to buy the next iPhone. Now the only question is, how soon should you buy the next iPhone? Which is like the ultimate, <laughs> right? Like it's, there's like, what if you want to switch? What if the answer is this year's iPhone isn't very good? And yeah. you should mm-hmm. switch to Android. Like, why would you just seed that ground? And I, it's it's literally been driving me crazy for. You can obviously tell it's been driving me crazy for a week. But like, <laughs> I'm very curious what what you two think about that. Even if you grant that people are locked into their ecosystems and will never leave them because iMessage. Uh, <sighs> By the way, I, I've discovered that it's also AirDrop. Really? Yeah. I mean, what did I do all this past week? I took five thousand photos and tried to get them on my computer to look at them. Yeah, uh, AirDrop's really good. <laughs> uh, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing those hot takes like AirDrop is the secret teen uh, social network for crimes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but yeah, at the very, it's hot. At the very, even if you grant that people are locked into their ecosystem for life forever, uh, at the very least, there's like more than one iPhone to talk about. Right. Yeah. And there, there's like, you know, p- possibly like skip this year instead of just buy it when you need it. Um, and I would, if I saw a skip this year review, I'd be like, okay, cool. Um, but man, the only argument for the iPhone 11 Pro to be a skip year if you need a phone and you should like hold out for another year if you can is um, that the 2020 iPhone is uh, expected to be a much bigger change. But again, we go overdo it with car analogies, but like, Man, it's starting to look like a pretty bad idea to buy the first gen of an Apple product and yeah. like the first model of a car. You wait till they work out the kinks in the second year. In the uh, iPhone X's case, the third year. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm basically with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I keep thinking about the Chinese market where there is no iMessage lock-in. Yeah. Where there is a thriving ecosystem of Android phones that don't have play services. So they've like mutated in different directions. Where everyone uses WeChat, so like the hardware matters more over year over year. And there are like very smart analysts who like made this case in great detail. Ben Thompson comes to mind that because WeChat is fundamentally the operating system of the phone, that you can just switch hardware and then like that is actually the thing. Yeah. And so you look at the Chinese market, there's the phones are way more interesting. My cameras are flipping up and down all over the place. Yeah. There's 40 megapixel camera sensors. Uh, with the Mate 30 Pro came out today, it's got four cameras in a circle. Like it's and, just like and no Google, by the <laughs> way. Like that's nah. it didn't have Google in China anyway. Yeah, Apple. That's one of Apple's biggest markets. So when mm-hmm. they get outgunned in hardware in China, they have to compete. 
the reason this camera is better is because Apple has to make it look better, in particular than the P30 Pro, which is mm-hmm. the camera they cross-tested the most when they were when they were briefing us on the cameras. They kept on telling us how bad the P30 looked. That's on purpose. Yeah. Right? Like, the P30 Pro is a pretty good camera. That's the competition you want. Right? Apple has to perform better because in China, there's actual competition for the phones. In India, there's actual competition for the phones. So I think we've s- talked about this on the Rochester months and months ago. But, like, Gadget360 is the biggest gadget site in India. It's run by Kanal Dua. It's, like, a friend of us. It's as big as Verge, has a bigger audience than the Verge, and just reviews, like, a dozen phones a week in exhaustive yeah. detail because it matters and the audience wants that stuff. There isn't a site in the States that is actually performing at that volume that knows, okay, iOS users might switch to Android. No one's trying to make that case here. I just think it's wild that, okay, like the New York Times is doing all this Monopoly stuff and BuzzFeed is doing great tech coverage. You can't connect the dots between how bored you are with your iPhone review and the fact that these are Monopoly. Like that's, just do it. Like they're, just draw the line. It's right there. I'm doing it for you right now. Instead, well, you're like, take you, flash photos. If you are going to resign yourself to like, well, we're always just going to have new iPhones every year. That's like, that's it, it, then it's basically becoming politics. And then you got to start lobbying. Like I'm, you know, I'm the small phone contingent from Tennessee and we want small phones and we want them now. You know, like that, at least you could <laughs> soapbox your review a little bit. Yeah, it's just bizarre to me. And, like, there are good reviews. The Engadget review is very good. Joanna Stern, she actually wrote two at the journal. Very good. Um, I'm not saying that, like, no one did the work. Uh, Lauren's mm-hmm. review and Wired is very good. Those are, like, our family. <laughs> right? Like, those are a bunch of average people. Um, and, like, that, you can see it. Like, that history of, like, okay, we have to actually critically assess this product, which is one of the most important products you will own. We will see it mm-hmm. if it lives up to Apple's claims. The basic job, not this is inevitable. Apple always does a good job. Just hold off a little longer. Here's how I see it. Like, why even bother reviewing the new Jonathan Franzen novel? I mean, there's going to be a new one every year. It's going to be mediocre. You're, you're gonna, everyone's going to buy it anyway and have opinions about it. Why bother? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. So you convinced Paul. Thank you. The joke I was trying to make on Twitter is with a Camry, and everyone thought I was actually talking about Toyota Camrys. <laughs> clearly did not play. <laughs> if I if I was to work at uh, a major mainstream home, I'm CNN's car reviewer, car reporter. Yeah. And I like go on the air on CNN. And I'm like, uh, yep, I've been driving the 2020 Camry for a year. Uh, it's pretty good. But, you know, all cars are fine. Uh, I only compared this Camry to the 2019 Camry, and I've never driven any other cars. <laughs> Buy one if you want one. Like, that's horrible. <laughs> and, like, yeah, no one would accept that as useful. You can you can mm. you can switch from a Camry to a Honda, and your family still talks to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Anyway, I don't want to get overly meta on this. It is just the frame that the iPhone exists in, when in fact this iPhone is actually by far the best year-over-year iPhone upgrade they have produced since like the iPhone 3GS to the iPhone 4. You think it's way I, bigger than the iPhone 8 to the 10, huh? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Speaking speaking of the phone basics, I, I want to talk about iOS 13. Wait, we've gone for 40 minutes. Let's take a break, come back and talk about iOS 13. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, iOS 13, go for it, Paul. Yeah, so it's a buggy. <laughs> it's a, iOS 13 is an important part of a phone because the phone runs the software. Um, and we're coming on the, the heels. You know, Apple obviously didn't bring it up at their event, and, and maybe they've swept it fully under the rug. It's still really looming very large in my mind. Apple had a huge security vulnerability a couple years back. And, and it seems all patched and all fine now. But if you are putting out software, especially if you're actually shipping it to people, it's not just a developer beta. If you're shipping software to people that is a buggy mess, I don't, it, bugs do not always equal security vulnerabilities, but security vulnerabilities are bugs. And, and when you have software that is a mess and crashes, it's a good sign that it, it might be lacking in the sort of quality assurance, the same sort of quality assurance that is necessary to keep your phone secure from being hacked by, I don't know, your best friend, China. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Apple's like in China, like it's one of their biggest markets. So I, I see what you are saying, like don't ship buggy operating systems when you're about to enter a huge market like that. I just think they're rushing it out. I think it's a much more innocent Right, like yeah. they just need to get it done, and they they just race to the finish line. It's not done, but they don't need to. I mean, th yes, they have a financial responsibility to themselves to re remain rich to keep on pushing out phones exactly on the year and and ship an operating system with it. But they have no true obligation to ship buggy software. It's a liability. Yeah. So the fact that they moved the date up six days is hmm. a huge tell to me. Why are they even releasing iOS 13.0 to the general public when – so initially it was iOS 13.0 and the new phones. Everybody gets it today, right? The 19th or the 20th? Yes, right around right one of those days, yeah. And then iOS 13.1 comes out on the 30th for everybody. Right. Then today – And iPadOS was back there as well. And again, Catalina is literally yeah. in Catalina. And then literally today, which is when all the iOS like 13 reviews and stuff started to hit because it's going to come out – 
Apple quietly didn't tell anyone. Yeah. They updated their webpage to say iOS 13.1 is coming out on September 24th. And Lauren yeah. Good, to her credit, at Wired, noticed it, tweeted it. Then everybody yep. called Apple out once and confirmed it. Uh, <laughs> this is what happened. And then, yep, they moved it up basically a week. So now it's a yeah. four-day delta between everybody in, with an iPhone getting upgraded to a buggy operating system and then presumably getting the update that fixes it. Presumably why even ship 13.0? Okay, why? Like, the question is, is there something about shipping the iPhone 11 that, like— requires them to get 13.0 on all the other phones. Is there like if there's a if there's an iPhone 11 in the world with 13.0 and it like pings Apple servers, are they not able to figure out that like it shouldn't be getting a 12 update? Like what is the reason that they uh, cannot have um some phones with 13 and some phones with 12 for a week? Wait, but that reason can't exist. There's it's always going to be a, a gradient of operating systems, right? Right. Yeah. Even on the day 13.1 comes out, they're going to have a bunch of people with 12 for a, yeah. a while. Yeah. So the, I, I think that problem can't exist because it would be a problem every year. And like literally every year, like iOS 12 was super buggy. And every year before that, like they would do the updates and everyone's alarm clocks would get reset. So like maybe yeah. that is a problem. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> like that can't be the issue because it's, ar- it's already necessarily true that not everybody is going to get it at the same minute. Why are they shipping it then? I, I cannot tell you why they're shipping it. They should just cancel iOS 13. And by the way, if you're listening to this. <laughs> 13.0. should cancel 13.0. If you're listening to this, I realize you're, 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 I mean, you're a Vergecast listener and you just put up with a rant about lock-in monopoly power in iPhone reviews. So, like, you're in it. I'm assuming that if you put up with that, you've upgraded your phone. <laughs> it just it feels like a one-to-one there. Uh, but you shouldn't upgrade to 13.0. You should wait the four days. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, it is, I mean, Dieter, you've been running it. Our staff has been running it in in, in betas mm-hmm. on my review units. It was super buggy. I, I talked to Lauren. It was really buggy on hers. I talked to Joanna. It was really buggy on hers. Like messages will just – the keyboard will disappear and the text field will go to the top of the screen. That yep. just happens. Uh, again, I was using AirDrop a lot. AirDrop crashed so hard so many times that I had to reset the phone three times. Springboard crashes. Sometimes the camera, the you know, the great camera that I say is the best in the industry. Sometimes I just uh, – yeah, didn't didn't show up. Sometimes the camera just decided to stop saving photos, and not like the Pixel, where the Pixel like just drops a photo every now and then, but keeps working. No, the camera is just like, no, I'm I'm done. You can continue <laughs> to take photos, <laughs> but I'm not saving them for you until you reset. Yeah, uh, Safari. My favorite way that Safari got hooped. Uh, you know, they took out 3D Touch and now it's Haptic Touch. The long press. So like, that's how the link yeah, previews yeah. work. So like, log press the link. I'm like, oh, this isn't working. And then I realized it was working in slow motion. <laughs> just a very slow like, uh, like it's one pixel yeah four pixels yeah it's like the thing is pixels. zooming the drop shadow appears <laughs> the window started expanding I was like this is very What's relaxing the- I, I do wonder this is a very suspenseful way to preview a web page uh, <laughs> and why why did that happen and I just had to re- like force quit Safari and try again like yeah. it's a buggy operating system and I will tell you one people ask why did you give it I gave the phone a nine why did you give it a nine when you when you say the operating system is buggy? Well, because I knew iOS 13.1 was coming 10 days after the phone ships. Yeah. So if iOS 13.1 is as buggy on this phone, I think there's a real conversation we're going to have to have about changing the score of the thing. Yeah. Right? For sure. But I asked Apple, literally the first question I asked Apple on every like briefing call we had during the review process was, hey, is iOS 13 ready? 
right? Like, you, do you know? And they're like, yeah, you know, iOS 13.1 is coming. Yeah. And that was the okay. answer every time. Yeah. Uh, so they, they know. But it's bizarre to me that they're shipping it to the general population when they've pushed up the 13.1, the general population. It's like people with iPhone 11s are like in maximum security. Um, <laughs> it's hard because your phone at any moment will crash. <laughs> you have to be isolated. Uh, it is bizarre to me that they're releasing it this way. It's also bizarre to me that there are so many features that aren't coming that they yeah, told yeah. us were coming at WWE. Okay, there's sweater mode. What else is there? Sweater mode is coming later this fall. Okay. So we don't even know when that's coming. That's just yeah. off in the future. And I, so, like, that was another question. Like, Deep Fusion's coming. Why don't you give them credit for it? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe it'll never come. You don't yeah. know. Air power never came. Like, it would have been a 10 with sweater mode. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I was like, because, you know, the Pixel and the Note won a handful of comparisons that yeah. in, in particular uh, Deep Fusion should make the iPhone better at. So people are like, why didn't you say Deep Fusion? It's like, well, because it might never happen. Yeah. Like you one day Apple will ship a charger that lets you charge everything at once. Uh, you know what? A year later, they're like, no, it won't. <laughs> like it, you, you can't you can't review promises. But the U1 ship doesn't work at all until 13.1 oh, right. shows up. Uh, AirPod sharing which is a thing that is on the product pages for the, the phones. Doesn't work yet. Like, it's just like a lot of things. Uh, the auto resize photo thing, that's maybe, maybe that operates now. So it's we, it's just a weird release cycle for them. And I've just he heard over and over again, it's, it's kind of messy at Apple this year. I, I think they could have shipped the phones with iOS 12, and, and as long as the cameras are better and the battery life is as good, fine. Dieter, have you had as many problems with iOS 13 as I have? Uh, not quite as many, but close. Um, I mean, I had that camera thing. I've had I've had springboard crashes. Uh, I've not had a uh, weird uh, THX slow mo uh, Safari popovers <laughs> happen. But. I'm trying to remember. Remember, there was like a key command on the Mac that would oh, yeah, make if you it, hold down like shift the... when you do expose. It uh, it used to go slow. Or was it shift? Was there was some key command to make it go slow? There was one when the you know the genie into the dock thing. Yeah, yeah. I can't figure it out. Huh. Well, please at Dieter and let him know. Oh. Um, <laughs> so have you have either of you guys tried um, uh, shortcut stuff? Yeah, like, um, here and from, there. From the app developers I follow, like the, the people who are super deep into the ecosystem, they're pretty stoked on. It. Yeah, I mean, again, I like I don't trust iOS thirteen, mm. so like I don't want to spend my time building shortcuts that might break. <laughs> like right. it, it's 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 writing code in a laborious way. That's yeah. like what shortcuts is, right? Like I'm going to drag and drop these random little interface bits and bobs into an editor and it's going to eventually be a well, macro. It, it, it's writing code, which is a laborious thing. It is theoretically one of the more straightforward ways to write code, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, it, I, that's actually a really interesting question. Cause like, there's a part of me that just wants to type when this happens, do this other thing. But instead you have uh -huh. to like open a list of like images and then drag them into a puzzle. So I think that's harder, mm. but like it's, it may be, like, but what I just want to write Apple What script. if you did, if this, then that, but then you left off the semicolon. <laughs> what about that though? Uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It, like it's, they told us when they announced it, this is the like spiritual successor to Apple script. Mm. Yeah. And it, and it absolutely is. But then there's a part of me that's like, just give me the Apple script editor and mm -hmm. it, it doesn't exist. So like, you know what I mean? Like it's a. Again, a tr you're right. It is, in one sense, much less laborious and much more democratic because people just figure it out. But yeah, I haven't wanted to invest time in something that I'm like, oh, this will just break. 
because of the mm. OS is buggy. But I think it's cool. I wrote a shortcut last year that was my favorite shortcut where I could hit one button on my home screen and it would just tweet fire McCarthy in relation to the Packers coach, <laughs> which is like <laughs> really useful and funny. <laughs> I just like did that every Sunday and it was great. Um, but I haven't done anything more exciting. I'm excited for when they let you have file system access to make a bunch of photo shortcuts. I think that'll be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Dieter, have you done anything? This is like, this is your zone. Yeah, I've done a few. Uh, I have a bunch of um, custom web searches. Uh, so if I want to search like just within the Verge domain, or if I want to search for just links that uh, ex came into the world, were birthed on the web in the last week, um, or if I want to search a particular link on Twitter to see what people are saying about a particular story. Uh, so I have shortcuts for all that stuff. I did. I also have a shortcut that lets me uh, create icons that just go to nowhere or like go to a web page. Uh, but the thing about shortcuts is you can choose your icon, which means that you can make an icon that perfectly matches pixel for pixel your wallpaper, which means that you can have your icons on your home screen at the bottom instead of at the top wow. because you've got dummy icons at the top. Wow. Life hacks. And then if you're here. really clever about it, you can set those dummy icons to go to like whatever web page you want so that you secretly know that if you tap on the moon, it goes to like BuzzFeed or something. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> your, I, your secret shame, the website BuzzFeed. I, I love you, but uh, just give me an example of the utility of this functionality. <laughs> so you don't have to reach all the way to the top of the screen for the, your icons. So you can actually like customize your home screen the way that you want it. Okay. Okay. But like, the secret BuzzFeed link specifically. Uh, you know, man, <laughs> sometimes you just want to tap on the moon. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. Yeah. And you just know. Does it, like, give you, like, a random quiz? <laughs> That's what you should do is, like, <laughs> like, a macro I would have is, like, hey, Siri, make me sad, and just, like, opens Twitter to the Explore page. Yeah. Is there a macro, or is there a vanity URL for open random quiz on BuzzFeed.com? There really should be. Feeling quiz. You just, just refresh that button. Yeah. Stumble upon, but for uh, but for BuzzFeed quizzes. Yeah, and it's always the most obscure thing. Yeah. Like, which of these very specific My Little Ponies are you based on sandwiches you like? And it's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything about either one of these subjects. I bet you that quiz exists. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should talk about the watch. Dieter, you reviewed the watch. What do you think? Yeah, it's the best watch that. I mean, I love that the screen is always on. It does have a tiny little battery hit, um, but it still is within line of what Apple claims, but it is not like so much better in the way that the Series 4 was. The watch faces uh, and, uh, and watchOS 6 are really good, but they're not like... Apple. Apple's aesthetic is not quite my aesthetic, and it's better than the uh, default average third-party watch aesthetic on Wear OS, which is like... Blah goth tron <laughs> i don't know but it's always just a little bit not perfect every single apple watch face is just like ah it's close but yeah this thing is a little bit too bubbly or this thing's a little too round or i can't qu get quite get the widgets where i want or whatever and so i wish that they would just do a third-party watch store watch face store just do it that's the whole review <laughs> it's it's really really good actually the more important watch i think or the more interesting watch i mean the watch, Series 5 is great. If you have an iPhone and you want a smartwatch and you can spend $300, go get it. If you want the cellular one, 
I mean, you need to have very particular reasons to want it. Neilai has one very good particular reason, and that is that he is 100% unable to not look at his phone when it's within 100 feet of his body. Um, and so he <laughs> needs so a cellular true. Apple Watch. Um, <laughs> I need a cellular Apple Watch so that if I decide I don't want to carry two phones with me, I can have an Android phone and then have my phone number on my Apple Watch because I've decided I'm locked into iMessage. So now, like, my Apple Watch is just basically to become my iMessage mm. machine, and then I'll use an Android phone. Sometimes. Yeah, Dieter, you should know that uh, you should only update your iPhone when your previous iPhone begins to physically harm you. Uh, oh, because you're locked okay. into the iMessage ecosystem. There's no need to even have another phone. Yeah, just take flash um, photos. If I am if I am Fitbit, I am freaking the hell out over the fact that the Series Three is only two hundred bucks. Oh yeah, I am losing my mind right now at Fitbit because uh, like I if I. I could not imagine a world where I would recommend an iPhone owner get a Fitbit over a Series Three. Well, let me ask: if Fitbit a couple of worlds, like could, if you're if you're deep into Fitbit world, maybe. Yeah. But like, I don't know how many people are deep into Fitbit world. Some people, I don't know. Okay, Fitbit's a social network. If Fitbits could send iMessages, if they could address the Messages app, would that change your equation? Well, so this is a this is a question that I don't quite know the answer to. I actually cut this from my like Google screwed rant. There are a couple things I cut from Google screwed my Google screwed and smartwatches rant. One of which I regret. One of which I don't. Um, the thing I regret is like Qual there's a rumor that Qualcomm has uh, another smartwatch processor coming soon, and maybe that'll save it. I cut it because I'm tired of uh, believing in Qualcomm, and so uh, I cut that because I don't actually have faith. But maybe I'll be wrong. Um, the thing I don't regret cutting is like if. Fitbit could send iMessages. Does that mean that it would be worth it for Fitbit to try harder and therefore there would be better watches and more competition? Yes. But there's like, but why aren't there good, uh, great smartwatches on Android then? Other than like Samsung stuff, which are like pretty good. Well, I mean, well, there, that's like, your answer. Why isn't Fitbit better on Android? Mm. I don't know. Where they can do whatever the <laughs> hell they want. Yeah. That's why I cut it. It's like, I want to believe that if Apple wasn't so limiting on the iPhone, that there would be an incentive for companies to make better watches. And maybe it's the case that that's true because like uh, iPhone owners tend to spend more money on other things and therefore it's more worth it for third-party watch companies to make, you know, watches for the iPhone, et cetera. Um, but it's like, it's the, the situation with uh, bad smartwatches for Android and like uh, you know, all other smartwatches basically except the Apple Watch being, like, pretty good but not great has gone from, like, annoying to confounding. Um, and that's that's kind of where I live right now is I don't know what to tell anybody uh, that doesn't have an iPhone what watch to buy. Like, if you care about fitness, get a Fitbit. If you want a cool watch, um, I don't know, get a Fossil and know that it's going to be a little bit nerfy, nerfed. Uh, and then if you want the Samsung watch, go for it. But be ready for a bunch of Samsung software on your phone. Well, Which maybe you already have because you have a Samsung phone. Well, so I'm just looking at the Apple Watch Edition pages. Yeah. You can spend $1,400 on an Apple Watch. Yeah. The, the ceramic one with the the weird leather band, which bizarrely only comes in 40, 44 millimeters. Interesting. Huh. Um, anyhow, but you can spend $1,400 and people are going to buy them. So I think you're like, you're, and it's the same Apple Watch. It's just a more expensive case, right? Right. If you're Fitbit, you are capped. Like, you have a, a more price sensitive audience. Yep. Because you you can't address every iPhone owner. Yep. Because you, you are necessarily offering a less good product because you can't send messages. And right. then we do know that Android owners, at least in the United States, are a little bit more price sensitive than Apple owners. They spend less money anyway. That's like just stats. 
So you're not bringing in as much money. You're not bringing in as much just pure gravy by selling yep. $1,500 products that just like look different. Um, and you probably, because of that, aren't attracting like the absolute best talent in watch stuff. Right. Because they can't win. Yeah. Right. And that, I think that's just like a really hard cycle. And I want to say like, okay, if you do let them do more stuff with the iPhone, then at least you get to make more competitive products for a bigger audience. Whereas I think if you have an iPhone, it is absolutely, unless you have very specific needs, you're like, a, yeah. you need a Garmin watch because you're going to go hiking for four days and Garmin's are good yep. at that. If you have an iPhone, there's no reason to buy any other product. I cannot right. think of a reason that a Fitbit is a better product for you. That is a challenging position to be in. Yep. I will say, though, that all this talk about, like, lack of competition that we've been cycling in and out of, um, the, the thing that I will give Apple huge credit for is they has not they've not slowed down on the Apple Watch. They have made it iteratively better year over year, added, like, meaningfully important good features year over year that are, like, either make it worth the upgrade or make it worth buying in the first place. Um, they, they're making a good product on yeah. top of locking everybody else out of making a good product, <laughs> uh, which is, like, a pretty good place to be in. I mean, this is the, the hard problem with all of this conversation. I was talking to Addy today about um, Google. Like, a huge problem with Google search is that it is legitimately the best search. Yep. They, right, and the, 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 the sort of, like, flywheel of it, they have more data, so it's even better than before. Well, they, they kicked off the flywheel by by getting out ahead of everyone. Right. So, like, how can you complain when the product is legitimately better? And then Apple will co confidently tell you the product is better because of the integration. Right? Like, they won't, like, for example, the battery life. Mm -hmm. It's very simple why the battery life is five hour better on the 11 Pro Max. The battery yeah. is huge. The battery's 25% bigger. There's a teardown. Like, the, the watt hours on the battery is 25% Yeah, it's more. just the they, they took out 3D touch and they made the phone thicker. There's a lot more space in the case. The battery's bigger. The yeah. end. Apple's like, <laughs> it's a unique combination of our chip design, iOS 13, 1,000 power. Like, like, no, dude, the battery's bigger. But, like, Apple's argument is this is not components. It's a product that we engineer is one thing. I don't I I agree with you. They've made the watch so good. That first Ziri, Series O review... I was like, the watch is slow and they don't know what it's for. And now I'm like, you should get one. It's fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> the end. Uh, we have not talked about its one feature that's different from the Series 4, which is the display. Are you bought in on this always in display? Oh, yeah. I love it. It's great. Turn, uh, you can turn it off if you want. Uh, the battery life hit on turning it on is pretty small because they have the variable uh, refresh rate thing. Having an always on screen is a thing I've wanted since the beginning. It's deeply good. If you um, have an older Apple Watch that's like, Dying on you. I know there are lots of people that actually still have those Series Zero watches. It's totally worth getting the upgrade to it for the always-on display. Uh, apparently, uh, like something like seventy percent. I saw where did I see this. This Vergecast, where I spot off stats. I think I saw on Twitter once. Um, <laughs> I think it like was seventy percent. Seventy percent of uh, Apple Watch buyers are new customers, not upgraders. Really? So yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, where did I get this number from? Who knows? I saw it on the internet. So. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool journalism, Dieter. <laughs> Just anyone can tweet. No, that makes sense, right? Like the um, the again, the market of people who own iPhones is huge. CNBC. Oh, they're they're fine. Yeah, I trust them. Is that Todd? CNBC's uh, <laughs> SEO isn't as good as Nine to Five Max. Uh, yeah, it's Todd. Okay, good old Todd. Todd I was going to say you can trust the, Todd. Got the stats. Yep. Can't trust Steve. Yep. No, I'm kidding. Steve is great. Actually, 
It's Todd who got it from Apple. Apple says that 75% of Apple Watch buyers haven't owned a previous model. Well, then you definitely you can't trust it. <laughs> By the way, this is how the internet works. I think you saw a number, and then, like, Google, which is very good, gets you someplace, and then blogs are actually nice and diligent about linking their sources, and then you go back mm. to the source, and then you see. That's how it works. That's how you verify things. We're just fully off the rails. We're going to take a break. Also, you get on the phone. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It was Apple <laughs> Review Week. We made a bunch of videos. You should watch them. We yeah. wrote some reviews. You should read them. There's a lot of photo sliders. Just slide those sliders until you've convinced yourself that whatever phone you like best is the best one. Then really consider the fact that if you have iMessage, you are, you are just going to get an iPhone. It's just the thing that is true. And then consider what regulatory intervention would it take <laughs> for a market for cell phones to exist again. Then pull the car over to the side of the road, listen to this ad, and Paul's going to tell you his thing at the, in, after we come back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Miller, every week. Yeah, I do always, I do a segment. It's called, let me just jot that down with my money pin. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. And, um, I know where this so, is going. So Starbucks uh, has apparently, okay, you know when you go to Starbucks, you can buy like, like a gift card, right? And those yep. are refillable. So they're basically yep. like a, a, a debit card, right? They uh -huh. hold money. In Japan, they have this whole Starbucks touch line where you can do, like, they have these products that are nfc the one that makes the most sense is like a mug it's a mug it's a refillable mug with an nfc built in so that you pay with the same mug that you get the drink into but now they also have starbucks touch colon the pin and uh it's just very good it's very it's a pen with <laughs> the ink is like a coffee brown, which is quality. Um, and then it pay you can pay for things. And it just I, I hadn't really thought of the fact we're we're pretty used to we've moved from checks to cards to now we're kind of like we got cards and we also have phones. And if the the reader doesn't work, we go back to the card or something like that. A lot yeah. of countries, not as much in the United States, use uh, QR codes. Those are very common. But really, what Starbucks is is demonstrating here, is that you could pay with anything. If you can carry it, <laughs> if you can carry it and you can wave it relatively close to the NFC reader, you could pay with it. So I just think there's a lot of possibilities there. What if you have a basketball? Like pay with a basketball. Maybe at a sports <laughs> store, you buy a basketball that is refillable with sports dollars. But don't you have, to, don't you you have to auth the basketball somehow? Yeah, you put yeah the by waving it. it close to the thing. Yeah. You don't have to do a secondary auth? With the ma the money pen, no. 
that's the whole that's the whole deal. Just it seems like a very dangerous pen. Well, I mean, how do you think a gift card works? You don't have to re-auth the gift card. You just scan the QR card and away you go. Some countries have this stuff built into their um, credit cards. Like we, our chip is like is like real. Um, oh, I've got the I've got the contactless chip, and I hate it because it screws up my subway card, my Bart card. Oh, really? It's yeah. too powerful. My yeah, the yeah. contactless. I can no longer enter our office building by just tapping my wallet because all of the card chips are just wireless like, now. They're just well, mad all at the. It. All the more reason for it to be a pin or a basketball. <laughs> so what I want, Paul, is I want it to be a basketball. But uh, every time I, I want it to have more than just the NFC chip, I want it to have a little tiny uh, Raspberry Pi inside it that detects yeah. when the chip's been read. And then every time the chip is read, it lets a little bit of air out of the basketball. And then you <laughs> know that you need to re-up your card when your basketball is like fully deflated. Yeah. Yeah. But then instead of going online to refill it, there's a special pump and the mm. pump is generates electricity and you sell that electricity back at market Ooh. prices yes. and fill your basketball with real money derived from energy you've generated. How can we in- integrate Bitcoin into this scheme? <laughs> it, 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 it was born for Bitcoin. Let me tell <laughs> you. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Paul's no, segment, man. as it does every week, Paul's segment <laughs> has come to an end with a diversion into Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Just check out that Lightning Network, everybody. Yeah, sure. um, we are yeah. just not going to talk about anything else on our uh, our rundown, are we? No, I think we. There's this is we're gonna we're gonna do it. Okay, Dear, you're, you're gonna be in charge. Lightning round. There's a thousand more events. <sighs> iPhone Week is just the beginning <sighs> of this autumn of monopoly discontent. All right, here we go. Three uh, more Amazon. ecosystems are here to take over your life. Go through <laughs> Amazon, September 25th. Uh, last year, they announced 70 products in 60 minutes. <laughs> I think that they're going to do it again. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do this year. Uh, but uh, Dan and I and Viren are going. It's going to be wild. Uh, Google announced the date of its event, which is October 15th. I'm going out of order chronologically at this point, but whatever. Um, they put up a picture of an orange Pixel 4 in Times Square, verifying that. Not that we didn't know. <laughs> if you want to know what they're announcing, um, Jay and Sean put together an incredible, just everything you need to know, rumor roundup that actually goes topic by topic. It's great. Microsoft uh, is like October 2nd, 5th, somewhere in there. I'm getting the date wrong. They, uh, it seems clear that they might have a foldable Surface device that they might show off. Uh, there's a patent uh, that of one that it has liquid inside the hinge. Um, Microsoft makes the best hinges. Yeah, they're just the most fun. They like they got liquid like 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 your knee. You know, like there's some yeah, carl- yeah. And, you know yeah. There's I there, I enjoy nothing more than talking to Pen S Pen A about hardware engineering. Yeah, I mean he is just so he is so amped. I'm yep. I'm dying to hear him talk about this hinge. They might make a 15-inch version of the Surface laptop, uh, which would go, just run right into the Surface Book. But uh, you know what? I'm here for it. Uh, yeah. A 13-inch and a 15-inch Surface laptop uh, taken out of the MacBook. I'm I love it. We're so overdue for a new Surface laptop. Period. I'm very yeah. excited to see whatever they do, but I really feel like this is the a hot year for the 15 inch. Like yeah. this is the year where w- kind of seemingly one of the best processors on the market is like these sort of weird ninth gen processors. They're not ultrabook processors. They're like actually powerful computer processors. And there's some really good laptops out there. And a lot of them are like they're like 15 inch laptops with like like the was it the the ThinkPad. Uh, X1 Extreme or whatever. They also have like the P1 version of it. 
the Gen 2. Like they're lightweight, but they're 15 inch and they have a graphics card, but they're also not super hot and they get good battery life and they're more powerful than Ultrabook processors. I feel like it's a pretty, it's like a sweet spot right now. I mean, I feel happy for you. I want a processor all the way on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, this rumored ARM Surface laptop using the, the Qualcomm 8CX. Uh, that's what I want. Uh, that right. sounds really exciting. So, okay, that is Amazon, Google, Microsoft. Uh, Apple might have another one. We don't know. Um, and then last but not least, Facebook uh, also makes hardware, and they just had an event where they announced a couple of new portals. At this point, I'm going to stop talking because my wife works for Oculus, which is a division of Facebook, <laughs> and someone else could talk about the portals. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about monopolies again. Here we go. Now, um, <laughs> here's the thing about the new portals. They made uh, yeah. a, a better portal with a screen and a camera. It's a portal. It kind of looks like the, uh, the Echo Show, right? Yeah. Same, same mm -hmm. idea. It's $129, which is a price cut. Then they made the box that goes under your TV that has a camera, plugs into your TV, turns your TV into a portal. It's $179. Those are prices that are just obviously less than it costs to make. They're making either no money or losing money in every one of these things sold. Well, hang on. The, the Google Home, uh, sorry, the Nest Home, whatever the, the, the screen is <laughs> and what we're supposed to call it now, that's pretty cheap. They're either making no money or losing money in every device, every one of these devices sold. I think Google okay, is fine. too. You know, Casey went and he wrote a story and I was reading all the stories. Uh, Nicole Wynn at BuzzFeed has this quote from Andrew Bosworth, Boz at Facebook, who's in charge of this stuff. And he goes, we don't know what the business model, we're not focused on the business model for these now. We just want to see how people use them. So they're, they're selling hardware with no business model next to it for what I'm almost certain is zero or a loss. Why is that? Because Facebook has monopoly profits everywhere else, <laughs> and they can just flood the zone. That means if you are a startup, you're an indie hardware maker, you're even a competitor, like you're up against a company that's willing to just lose. That's basically predatory pricing, in my opinion. Can I? Uh, we got to get to Portal, but uh, I'm just going to say really quickly, um, Amazon started selling a shoe that is completely indistinguishable from the cool Silicon Valley shoe, the Allbirds shoe. Like, it's identical to the little startup Albert shoe. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, and there it was like 14 cents if you have Prime. Like, yeah. I'm just saying this is it the pricing of these things is the most interesting to me because it's clear they don't have to be businesses unto themselves. They just they're just loss leaders so that you'll use Facebook's other services that make money. Which like is the YouTube. same thing Google does, which is the same thing that Amazon so, does, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so that aside. I, I, I'm not arguing that in, in any way. Portal TV, right? This is the obvious product. You have a, th a camera near your TV. Hopefully you can cover the camera, which apparently you can in this case. So that's nice. Um, but you have a camera near your TV and you use it to video chat with your grandparents, or at least your grandparents use it to to chat with their, their, their teen criminal grandchildren <laughs> who are using phones or something, right? Um, this is a very obvious product. So now who, who could build it? Apple makes FaceTime. Apple could build it. Google can't quite figure out how to make anything, uh, video chat related that isn't confusing and, and sad, but it, theoretically they could totally build it. Amazon has made uh, a product kind of like this, um, but is not known for their video chat services. It, it, there's like a list of, of, of companies who, who would do this. And Facebook is probably my least favorite of those companies. Um, but uh, it seems, it just seems such a, a, 
obvious thing to to do and to be really good at. Yeah. And then no one else has done it. And I think there's a reason why. I think fundamentally, I think watch, Microsoft oh, try to do this and fail. Yeah, there's Skype, but th- that w- they launched that stuff right when like they were starting to be really bad at Skype. Yeah, and they <laughs> and they put out the Connect, which could have done it, and it didn't do anything. Yeah. Um. So there, there have been some attempts. There was um, there was some like indie hardware product that was a Skype camera for a TV that I got really excited about. Do you remember this? I had it in my office in our old office theater. And ever, yes. it was just like the worst. <laughs> like it was awful image quality and it was like a slow computer that only ran Skype and it was like outdated Skype. So people yeah. have tried. Um, Google makes a bunch of like Google Hangout hardware for businesses, Google Meet hardware. I think they're they're getting out of that. No, you can still buy the Meet kit if you're like an enterprise. Okay. Um, I but thought they were like killing consumers. some of that. I, okay. I think it cycles in and out. I think the reason is – most people's living room setups are actually not conducive to this kind of video conferencing, right? Like you put that box on your TV and then you like want to have a conversation and it like will sound bad. It will probably look weird. Like you need a really wide angle. So you're not actually looking anyone. Like I think this is less impressive historically. And I think that's why this market hasn't existed. Like you have to know Apple thought about this for the Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a, a no brainer. And they're like, no, people are just going to use their phones. So, like, I, I think Facebook is trying to do a thing here that's differentiated. But ultimately, the second you involve your television in any consumer product, the complexity starts to skyrocket. Right? Like, do you know what Facebook is asking everyone to do? Switch inputs on their TV. <laughs> like they're doomed. Like the product is yeah. doomed. <laughs> like the, Leland, the don't worry. There's an open standard for communicating over <laughs> yeah, HDMI. Sure. Uh, this thing has an IR blaster. You're like talking to Facebook. Here's the other problem. Uh, this product requires that you sit in front of your TV and then pay attention to the person you're talking to because they're huge and they can see you and then you can't just go do something else. Um, it also requires that you keep your living room clean. Mm. Uh, all the other products you can like turn the camera so that nobody can see just how messy your house is. Yeah. I, I just, don't want to. Uh, yeah. uh, so, Paul, to your point, there have been other attempts at this. They've just not mm. gone anywhere. And I think the, like literally the, the, the difficulty of setup, which is true for any TV product, mm. like you have a smart TV, you've got a Roku, you've got an Xbox. All right. Now you got one more thing to monkey with, with a different UI on your TV. Mm. You've got one more remote to monkey with, like whatever. And then to Dieter's point, and now I've got to keep my house clean. <laughs> like, I don't care so how predatory this pricing is. So you're saying that like the $130, $180 picture frames are, are far more compelling to you than this $150 portal TV. Uh, so, I mean, I video conference with my parents all the time because they want to see the baby. So like I'm mm. confidently FaceTime. I confidently tell you I FaceTime like four times a week at least. We are we are always doing it on our phones because mm. uh, the baby moves around. Mm. So like mostly, I'm just like I bought a gimbal and like I've like Facetime with the gimbal before, just like chasing <laughs> the baby around. Um, like that's fun. Whereas like there's no way I can park her in front of the Echo Show or whatever. And then I got to switch services, right? Like Facetime is great. Like you just like use it and it works. I'm not moving them to whatever. Echo thing. What's that? Well, and that's exactly why I would never touch these Facebook products because I'm I'm trying to live my life Facebook free. Yeah, uh, but but I just feel like they're they're pretty. I, I just feel like this fills an, a void. Yeah, I mean, I, look, lots of people use WhatsApp. If this makes WhatsApp calling, and lots of people use WhatsApp video calling, if this works, 
but they have not yet sold a lot of portals from what I understand. I don't, I think making them a lot cheaper, like that one will sell the echo showy one, the regular portal. This TV mm-hmm. thing is a lark. Just like, you know, Amazon put out like the, um, what's it called? Like the echo tuner, the recast. Yeah. The oh, recast for I TV recording. One. Yeah. Which is like a very complicated antenna OTA solution. And it's like, I love that they did that. It's super fun that they, like Amazon is selling like a DVR for your attic. Like, that's great. I want more of those things to exist. That speaks to me. Like, what what consumer is like doing that, right? Mm. I, I, I did it. Well, you're, but right, you're right Dieter here. Bone. Okay, did fine. you get one? <laughs> yeah. Do you love it? I wanted to stop, I wanted to stop paying for YouTube TV. Yeah. Yeah. Do you love it? Uh, uh, it it lets me watch uh, national TV broadcasts when I feel like it, which happens way less often than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which I, is why I wanted to stop paying for YouTube TV. So I love it insofar as it saved me $40 a month. I'm very excited to – I think TiVo is going to put out apps that run on the Apple TV that can stream from a TiVo. Mm. So I'm very excited to just buy a, a little TiVo and have that be my cable box and actually have the Apple TV just have a TiVo app on it. That is not – a good solution. Like, I don't recommend anyone else attempt that. It's just, that's who we are. So you're, you are saying you actively want to move from the TiVo remote to the Apple remote from the remote that literally has won awards <laughs> for being a good remote. No, cause I have a Cavo the... remote. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's, that's just cheating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Cavo remote is like a yet another Android box under my TV. I'm saying I'm the person who's willing to have an Android remote control talk to an Apple TV running Apple, like TVOS talk to my Android TV and sort all that out. And I'm still like, I don't know that I want to put this weird Facebook camera computer <laughs> under my TV. Like it still seems too hard. I don't know. It's cool though. Like I'm glad people are trying. I just think that, you know, like the reason Eero went to Amazon is because Google underpriced them with Google Wi-Fi and then ran ads for Google Wi-Fi on Google when people were searching for Eero. Like that, like cratered their business. I think that's it's just more me ranting about monopolies. But this pricing to me is the story. They they've lowered the pricing, so they're going to lose money just to move units. And I think that's that is a it's distorting in its way. Hmm. All right, last thing up. There's actually a bunch of subscription stuff to talk about. Apple Arcade is out. It looks great, Dieter. You've been playing yeah. with it. It is great. I have many questions about what it's going to mean for like the future of the games marketplace. I wrote a piece, uh, Patricia Hernandez over at Polygon wrote a really good piece that like subscriptions for games are here, Netflix for games are here. There's a good piece over at Kotaku. Everyone that pays attention to games are like, yo, these games are really good. Uh, There's a ton of them. It's going to be hard to get through them all. Apple clearly paid a lot of money to a lot of really, really good developers to get some really good games that don't have crappy in-app purchases that don't have stupid life meters that don't have dumb timers that aren't trying to scam you out of money they're just good games if they can sustain this it could completely upend the market people will have to be trying to convince apple to fund their game and like the whole patron system is going to get really topsy-turvy games might end up getting like really bad in the way that your average netflix show is like not that good because they're all just trying to you know get a little slice of the subscription thing and no longer make triple a there's like a thousand things that could happen three, four, ten years from now if this pans out. But right now, Apple, like, 
distributing its money to use its like market power in other areas to convince you that you want an iPhone and you want to pay for stuff on the App Store means that you are getting a ton of games for five bucks a month, 120 bucks a year. Would I spend 120 bucks over the course of a year on on games for, for the iPhone? Actually, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't spend that much on games for the iPhone, but it would be in that zone. Uh, so it's, I don't know. It's a fascinating product. You should sign up and play play at least the, the free trial um, and maybe a little bit more. Uh, it's the sort of thing that I could see a lot of people like dipping in and out of when they like want to play some games. I'm excited because I like I'll burn a game for a couple of months and then need something else to play on the train. Um, and it's always a struggle to like find the next one that isn't crappy. Uh, and now like that problem is just solved for me yeah. for five bucks a month and it's worth it. I'm very interested to see if this incentivizes me to play games on the phone. I've been so turned off by free-to-play mechanics and then, yeah. like, okay, I'm, I am willing to pay 20 bucks for a game. And yeah. then it's like, I'm going to look at 5,000 games and not – no. Now it's like, whatever. I'm just going to, like, try it. So the thing that this might do, because most of these games, like, work offline, is there's a, there's a non-zero chance this will incentivize me to play games on my iPad, and it could actually hurt the Switch for when I travel. That is super interesting. Yeah. But the iPad's really big. iPad's really big, but I'm carrying it with me when I travel anyway. That's so, true. Are you uh, going to start carrying around a PS4 controller to play games on your iPad? Uh, <laughs> it's smaller than the Switch? No, I'm not going to do that. That'd be, that'd be ridiculous. Um, speaking of traveling, Switch Lite. Oh, it's out. Andrew really liked it. Yeah. I really like it. I mean, I haven't touched it, but I like the idea. I like that it's... It's a nicer product than the Switch. It makes me sad about my Switch being a first-gen product that's, like, a little bit herky-jerky. Well, Dieter, here's what I'll tell you. If your Switch works and you like it, you, you can, <laughs> instead of doing the year-over-year -year upgrade to the Switch Lite, you can just start taking flash photos. <laughs> You're the worst. It's, ah, it's all, I'm so frustrated. <laughs> just try. Uh, I think I'm going to buy a Switch Lite, even though I have a Switch. Yeah, but... I. I, I do like playing on my TV from time to time, so I'm going to keep my Switch. I want this Flex Adventure game. That's, I want the Switch oh, box, yeah. the $100 TV Switch right next to my Portal TV. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I love plugging things into my television. Yeah. Well, I'm going to buy you like a 14-port HDMI Switch. But guys, imagine how ripped I could be if I beat the, <laughs> the, the, the Nintendo's Flex Adventure. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> No, I think I'm buying a Switch Lite. I just decided right now. Okay. Usually on the show, I buy, I buy Pixel phones. This year, I'm buying a Switch Lite. I'm not going to do it now. Next week, I'm going to think about it a little bit more. Yeah. I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't do impulse purchases this month. It's gone medium. Yeah, mine has not gone well. <laughs> Me medium. Yeah. Uh, but the Switch Lite, that feels like a definite impulse purchase. All right. It's been a long show. The iPhones are great. I promise yeah. you, you will, you will like it if you get it. I think it is, again, it's it's a weird year for the iPhones in general, right? It's it's three cycles into the, the 10. So, like, by necessity, they're great. And then this camera thing, the Pixel 4 is out there. So we're going to see on October 15th if Google can can come back. Or before, because it'll leak another 30 times. <laughs> Google's just going to send me one. <laughs> <laughs> they, should just, they should just let us review it the day before the thing. At this point, why not? Really got to lose. Anyhow, that's the show. We'll be back. Like I said, Tuesday, John Gruber's on the Unity episode. We, we taped that yesterday. If you want yet more iPhone ranting, 
uh, we delivered. I'm going to promise you we delivered. It, it, it was a, a wild episode. We've come to a conclusion that um, for the past two years, I've gone on his show after iPhone Review Week. This year it came on mine. We've come to the conclusion that we're going we're gonna to do that every year after iPhone Reviews. And the fact that we're very comfortable doing it now, I'm telling you, it was, it was a wild episode. Um, so that's coming Tuesday, next week. Friday, we've got the chat show. We'll be back. I've got one thing to plug that's very important. We are hiring an editorial director of podcasts for The Vergecast, for The Interview Show, for other shows across The Verge. If you have listened this far, you obviously love The Vergecast, you, and you want to make it better, and you've got some like podcast experience. Please make it better. You can, yeah. Have you listened to this episode? We, we talk over each other. You're, you just did it Constantly. again. Constantly. <laughs> uh, go to slash podcast job. You can apply. I highly encourage you. If you, you love podcasts, you love this show, we'd love to hear from you. slash podcast job. We're also conducting an audience survey. It's just five minutes. Go to voxmedia.com slash pod survey. We've done these regularly. You've heard me talk about them. They're very helpful to us. So, Check that's everybody. Everybody go to voxmedia.com slash pod survey. Podcast producers looking for a, a a rocket ship to the top. You go to the verge.com slash podcast job. You see what I'm saying? Future of music is all wrapped up. Charlie XCX. Uh, that episode's coming out. It's awesome. Go check that out on YouTube with Danny Deal. You can also listen to Rico Decode with Kara Swisher. You can listen to Pivot with Kara and Scott Galloway. You can listen to Rico Media with Peter Kafka. And finally, last thing to plug. Land of the Giants, The Rise of Amazon, hosted by Rico's Jason Del Rey, is out in force. It's great. It's just a great show all about Amazon. If you want to hear more talking about Monopoly, whoo, have I got a series for you. It's called Land of the Giants, The Rise of Amazon, with Rico's <laughs> Jason Del Rey. Uh, that's it. You can tweet at me. I'm at Reckless. Dieter's at Backline. Paul's at Future Paul. We'll see you next week. Rock and roll. Paul. Promo code. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.